Now, welcome back to Veritas. I'm Mel Hasselrich. My special guest today is John Hamer, the author of Falsif- The Falsification of History and the focus of tonight's interview, The Falsification of Science. And before the break, I was asking you about the NASA and the electric universe or plasma cosmology. Do they even study that? No, of course they don't. They've got, they've got their own prescribed reality that they stick within. And anything that falls outside that, they don't want to know because it doesn't suit their narrative. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, um, no. I mean, there are more and more mainstream scientists now looking at things like the holographic universe, the electric universe. Um, but it's a very, it's very, very difficult for them. They don't do it lightly and they don't do it freely either. I think you know there, there has to be a lot of kind of covert research that goes on with them but there is a very <clears throat> strong faction now coming along especially as with regards to the electric universe which i happen to, to believe in although i do talk about the holographic universe as well which again you know i'm not i'm not ruling it out altogether but i kind of find the the electric universal you know rather more plausible <clears throat> excuse me so yeah i mean nasa won't go there at all because it it, it, it it completely negates the Big Bang theory, and, and as we just said before the break, there, you know, the Big Bang theory is 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 part of NASA's creed. You know, NASA wants to perpetuate that because it, it has its own little agenda, and it's doing very nicely on that. Thank you very much. Why rock the boat? Yeah, this is another. Uh, I call it the black hole money pit. I mean, it goes, or even uh, we'll discuss Apollo later, which I call the one hundred and fifty billion dollar a hoax against the U.S. taxpayer and even the entire world that fell for it. But that's that's for later. And here's another big scientific concept, evolution. I'm not a scientist, just a researcher. And in my years doing this, John, I've, I've, I've been trying to find an intermediate or a transitional species in the fossil record. And all I've seen are depictions. And I think it was in the London Natural History Museum, you know, a few times I've been there and I see, I forget the name, is it Olga? I mean, the the little figure of the female one that supposedly is in transition. It's a depiction, if you will. But why is it? Why is it that if we evolve from apes, there are still apes? Yeah. Good. Good question. Yeah. I mean, it's. Indeed. Well, I mean, why? I can't answer the question because it, there is no answer to it. But I think to, to, to broaden that argument even further is is to question the entire you know concept of evolution. And it's not just we as humans evolving from apes. It's all other species evolving from, as they deceptively tell us, from Ponceline, basically. Um, you know, where are all the transitional species for all the millions and millions of different species that are out there now? Where are all those transitional species? Well, they just don't exist, I'm afraid. Isn't that inconvenient? Isn't that inconvenient? But of course, the evolutionists tell us that the the fossil record supports the theory of evolution. But in actual fact, you don't need to dig very deeply at all, Mel, to find that, that, that the exact opposite to that is true. But of course, that's their typical satanic inversion, isn't it? You know, they, they turn lies into truth and truth into the lies. This is just such a common ploy. Um, but yeah, the, the the theory of evolution falls down in so very, very many ways. And and it, and I kind of am angry with myself in a way that I actually believed it for most of my life when it's such an utterly, utterly ridiculous concept. When you look, when you scratch even just lightly below the surface of it, it none of it stands up uh you know i mean even darwin at the end of his life said that he knew that you couldn't prove it and he knew that you know that there were no transitional species to be seen in any of the fossil records but he he kind of covered that up by saying that well there's only been only a few years have elapsed and he was sure that in the future that um you know, the, the, the more these transitional species would have been found. But it's been 140 years nearly now since Darwin died, and we're still no near that. But, you know, these these evolutionists keep plodding on with this insubstantial theory and and perpetuating this, this falsehood about us being evolved from, from as I said, Ponce Lime. Um, 
which again is just a it's just a prop it's just a prop up their their version of reality which is is kind of nonsense not kind of nonsense it is nonsense uh, uh and this again it, it, evil I, I i the way i look at it no there are three distinct uh pillars if you like of of the scientific the current scientific thinking of the current scientific paradigm one of them is the big bang which we've talked about a little bit the other one is evolution and the third one is the flat earth now all put all those three together and it creates a completely different it paints a totally different picture of reality to what we would have if we looked at the opposite points of view for those now what those three theories the globe earth theory sorry not flat earth theory the globe earth theory the big bang theory and the theory of evolution what those three individual theories do when put together in my view they create uh, a very convincing fake reality, uh, which keeps us believing that we are nothing. You know, we are just a, a cosmic accident. We're a, <clears throat> an evolutionary biological accident. There is no purpose to our existence, in other way, words. And those three theories, when you take them together, I believe, create that, that, um, that full picture of what they want us to believe we are, which is totally insignificant little specks of nothingness. And that's why they have to have the Big Bang Theory, because it creates a universe where there are millions of other uh, races and civilizations scattered through this vast, unimaginable emptiness of space. And that, in effect, that, it is that which renders us as a species as nothing. Whereas I actually subscribe to the view that we as humans, we are the very center, we're the very epicenter of creation. But if we take those three theories together and create a, a, a picture from them, then it destroys everything. It destroys spirituality, it destroys our real purpose and makes us, as I keep saying, insignificant. You know, that, that's 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 what I believe. That's what I firmly believe. And that's and that's why, although I don't have any proof of a flat earth, there is no proof of a flat earth, obviously, but, um, you know, neither is a proof of a globe earth unless you want to believe NASA and their lies. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it's, again, it's just such a vast, vast topic. And uh, it's so hard to do it justice in a, in a show such, such as this, even, you know, even in two hours. Uh, but you know, obviously we're having a good go and, uh, I'm enjoying it. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, look at Darwin. I mean, we look at all these people and who they're connected with. I bet you, you can go down the rabbit hole and look at all the famous or infamous people and see who they're connected with. For example, Darwin, Charles Darwin connected to, uh, Queen Elizabeth II. He's connected by blood to Franklin Roosevelt, President, Thomas Jefferson, Calvin Coolidge, and both Presidents Bush. And at the same time, I'm thinking of cultural Marxism, right? Right here in the United States, and probably in England, in the UK too, you have Netflix, right? And you think of Edward Bernays, the father of modern-day propaganda. Well, yes. the the founder of Netflix, Mark, Mark Bernays Randolph, was Bernays' nephew. And if you right. look who's on the board of directors of Netflix, and then you know that what they're trying to do, one of the biggest foundations of Netflix is they want to legalize pedophilia. They want to just make sure that people know that this is something normal. The yeah. destruction of the family, the grain out of, yeah. the, of the whole concept of society. And I can't even use the word, the word they don't want anything black and white. Because even saying that, oh, Mel, that shows racist. But they don't want any... Anything specific. They want everything gray out. No he, no she. Uh, what they call it, Z. All these, what's going to happen in the future? People are not going to procreate because the confusion will be so pervasive. But look what's happening in Japan. They have, I think it's a 0.7. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, the birth rate is, is 0. 0.7? 1.7. 1.7. 1.7. 1.7. So in 100 years. The rate is 2.01, yeah. So, exactly. Yeah, so all these countries that their birth rate keeps going down, you add this confusion, this 
cultural Marxism and propaganda and the Bill Gates goal and the Georgia Guidestones. What is the goal? Uh, they, they just want to have a manageable, uh, brainwashed population that serves as servants? Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, what they actually want is that they don't, they, you know, if you read the Georgia Guidestones, it tells us exactly what they want, as well as an Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030. And what they want is a, a population of 500 million, uh, which is 95% less than we have right now. And which, of course, partly this COVID nonsense is, is all about bringing about, as, as well as many other things that you've mentioned, such as um, you know, get sterilization in vaccines, um, you know, convincing people that gay is good, hetero is bad, because they, obviously that cuts the population down as well, because gay people cannot procreate as much right. as they would possibly like to think that they could. Um, but that's another story, which we won't go there. But yeah, it's all, it's all part of that same thing, isn't it? They're trying to um, prevent us from procreating. They're trying to you know, decrease populations in every way they possibly can through vaccines, which obviously do the job for them, and especially this COVID so-called vaccine, which isn't a vaccine at all, um, through spreading these fake pandemics. Uh, not that I believe that anybody has ever died of COVID, but that's another story altogether again. But there are, and of course, the fear factor and the lockdowns is, is actually killing people. You know, people are are known to be dying from grief, from not being able to, um, uh, you know, visit loved ones, from children not being, to see the, being able to see the grandparents and vice versa. Yeah, the whole thing is just a complete, uh, it's a complete plan to, to destroy the human race as we know it. And what they actually want, once they get down to that 500 million level, those 500 million people that are left or, you know, whatever number they actually do come up with, they will then be in the process of being uh, transhumanized. You know, that's in fact, that's what my next book book is going to be about. I'm writing that with um, a lady from your part of the world, actually, a lady called Shannon, who actually edited Falsification of Science. And a damn good job she did of that too. And she's even contributed a lot, actually, to the to the rest, you know, to parts of the book. Some of it is her work. I mean, it's I would say 96, 97% of it is mine. But Shannon has, has contributed greatly to that and, and she's done a fantastic job. But she and I are joint authoring my next book, which is about the next phase of what's going to happen after COVID, which is AI, artificial intelligence leading to transhumanism because what they want is a is 500 million basically uh artificial intelligence clones uh which will be their servants uh you know unquestioning servants that they control control very easily and this it sounds fantastic but this is the way that every way everything is heading right now so everything that we're seeing is being pushed is pushing a lot as along that route to the transhumanism agenda, and and you know that's if people find that hard to believe, it's very very easy to research that and see that it's true because there's so many books being written on the topic by by people who are pushing that agenda. Um, you know, it, it's not even it's not even up for debate. It's happening. You know, when this is all said and done, if it's going to be said and done in the future, there will be books written about everything that has gone through that we don't know now. Imagine. All the child abuse that has happened with people who are at home all the time, they're not going to school, schools that are reopening, that are keeping the children almost like in, you know, isolated in cages with masks all day long. Babies, babies and toddlers that look at their mother and they see a mask all the time and they don't see the expression. When you have a baby look at their mother and they cannot detect emotion, you're building a robot and this yeah. is exactly what's coming in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, babies rely so much on facial expressions to, to take their own, um, you know. Cues. Motives from, to take their own, that's not the right word, to take their own signals from and, and, and to gauge how to respond. It's from those facial expressions. Just, just the subtlest of movements on our faces are so important to young children who can, can't communicate verbally. 
Um, and and it's just destroying that. It's destroying that parent-child bond. Absolutely it is. Um, you know, and, and, and actually working, making older children wear masks in schools is is absolutely appalling. You know, I, I mean, I... I, I actually, when I, when I, I never wear a mask. I've never worn a mask yet. I've never social distanced yet. I don't, you know, I don't care. They can do what they want to me. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not playing their stupid games. And that's all they are, Mel, as you know, stupid games. I don't do any of that. I go into a shop. I don't wear a mask. I get asked why, you know, if I've got a mask and I say no, uh, why? Because I'm exempt, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, and, um, but, but I, when I encounter people who talk to me with a mask on, I can't tell what they're saying, you know, because part of understanding what people are saying is actually reading the lips yes, as well. It's not exactly. just the, yeah. it's not just the sound, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's the actual, you actually subconsciously read the lips as well. And I find it very difficult when people speak to me with masks. So I just say, you know, would you mind just pulling your mask down so that I can tell what you're saying because I can't hear what you're saying properly. Um, and they do. <laughs> you know, I think what, what, what annoys them the most, you know, people like you don't wear the mask, is not the fact that there's social distancing from you. It's the fact that you're disobedient, you yes, know, exactly. and they you're disobedient. The thing is, without people like you, they're going to continue. And those who are complacent will be complicit at the end of the day. But, you know, growing up, I remember team sports team players, team this, team that, cooperation, etc. Are we being brainwashed to accept the, the hive mind and individual thoughts and, and opinions are not allowed? Without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the evolution chapter, I, I related a little story about, um, I don't know whether you've read this bit, but um, I'll, I was sat in a park one day and there was a primary school class, which is your, what you called kindergarten and you know just very young children playing the three-legged race game where the adjacent legs of two children are tied together and they have to run you know it's about cooperation isn't it and you know the children have to cooperate with each other on each step in order to run successfully if you if you get the concept that i'm talking about and they thought it was great fun which of course it was i mean it's just a game to them isn't it but i heard the overheard the teacher actually telling them <laughs> you know five six-year-olds that they were being now being trained to cooperate. I mean, and I, I was just, I just found it beyond belief that a teacher could actually say that to a to five, six-year-olds, you are being trained to cooperate. And I just thought, my goodness, you know, what is this world turning into? It's just horrendous. Yeah, well, I mean, we're all being molded to become these team players aren't we you know you get these glib sayings like there's no i in team and really you know it's that is marxism that is marxism at work it's all about the the rights of the of the uh, the group rather than individuals you know everything has to be sacrificed for the you know the so-called greater good which is not really the greater good at all but all individual rights under marxism have to be sacrificed for the good of the society that you live in so in other words you're not free you're completely under the yoke of someone who sits above you telling you what you can and what you can't do all day long and this is exactly what we're seeing now with this covid stuff that's going on exactly that we're being made to cooperate we're being made to bow down to their every whim and and the rules change i don't know if it's the same in the states uh, but in over here, the rules seem to change every week. You know, one one week you're allowed to do this, but not that. And then all of a sudden it'll change and it'll be, oh, but you're allowed to do that now, but not that after all. Um, and, and it becomes so confusing to people and it's disassociative. Yeah. People yeah. wander around like zombies. They haven't a clue what they're able to do, what they're not able to do. They've got to wear these stupid masks. They've got to stand six feet away from someone over there. The whole thing is just a, a huge exercise in Marxism. You know, this is where we're going. And I cannot emphasize that to people enough. And the only way I believe that we can fight that is by uh, mass, peaceful non-compliance, which is what I practice. You know, and uh, if everybody turned around and said, you know, I'm, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm going to open my business. 
I'm going to go into a shop without a mask. I'm going to stand next to that guy in, in the in the line. Um, you know, what could they do? They couldn't arrest us all. They're arresting individuals now for doing that because they can, because there are so few of us. But if if we all did it en masse, what could they do? It's what already happening. <laughs> it's already happening. You know, you're told collectivism. You have to distill yeah. fascism, communism, communism, social. It's collectivism. But look yeah, at, exactly. you know, a, a lot of these people that I talk to here who are completely disconnected from mainstream, but uh, I'm, I'm disconnected from, from information like what we're discussing today, and they're being fed by mainstream media. They're not exposed to videos, say, from Italy, where all the restaurant owners decided to get together and say, no more. No more. I don't want people with masks. People are welcome to come here when they were told to shut down. And when you see the police going door to door, everybody at the restaurant would stand up and start, you know, yelling libertad. Yeah. And boom, the, the the police would leave because they knew they were in the minority. And what happened a couple of days later? The government said, okay, no more lockdowns. That's what needs to happen. When the government realizes that they fear us and not the other way around, is when we gain our control back because it is supposed to be our government, not theirs. Exactly. I think the problem we have as Americans and Brits is that um, <clears throat> our two countries are the epicenter of the new world order. So we get yes. it in the neck very, very much, much worse than a lot of the other countries do. And as a result, I think we've been, you know, uh, as a pair of nations, our we have been conditioned and programmed much greater than a lot of others. I mean, France is another country where they don't take any nonsense from the government. Any sign of government over-interference in anything, and they're out on the streets in France. I mean, you just don't get that in England. You do to a, a little a smaller extent, but it's very kind of half-hearted and, um, you know, not very positive. But in, in France, they'll be overturning police cars and burning them. You know, if, if the government does anything that, that kind of goes against what the population wants. But I don't, you know, I think that happens to a certain extent in both of our countries, but certainly not as, as much as it does in, say, a lot of the European countries, you know, where they try to control them. Uh, so, yeah, Italy is a great example. France is another. Uh, but then you get Scandinavia. The Scandinavian countries are just the opposite to that. They they don't they don't have as much in the way of a of a lockdown or a or a or a COVID policy as as, as we do here and and you do there. Um, but people are just basically ignoring ignoring what's going on and they're just getting on with their own own lives. But it's Scandinavian people have been. I think I think Scandinavia is a kind of a test bed for cultural Marxism, and I think they've, they've, the, the Scandinavian people. Apologies to any Scandinavian people who are listening to this and object to what I'm saying, but I, again, I have researched this, and I know that um, they have been modelled into a, accepting a kind of very overt cultural Marxism, especially Denmark and Sweden. Um, so. You know, they've been conditioned all their lives to believe, for example, that they are the happiest people in the world. They're the freest people in the world. And their governments are the best governments that money can buy. And there's no pun intended there. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so it's very much a, there's, very, there's a lot of national differences, a lot of cultural differences in what's going on in the world. And this is why you see all the different death rates. You know, America and Britain are, are amongst the two top because we are the center of the new world order. We're the epicenter of the new world order. And it's we that get it in the neck, uh, you know, and, and we are suffering more than more than many, many other countries. I mean, you, you mentioned at the beginning that countries like Tanzania and, and Taiwan. And I think Poland is another one where yeah. This, yeah. this is not really catching on that well. You know, there are, there are one or two. Um, so it, it's about nationalities and cultural differences more than the fact that, you know, COVID has different effects in different ge geographical areas, which is obviously complete nonsense. No, oh, Poland, they, they went through Nazism and they went through communism, so they get a, an idea. But I have a, yeah. a couple of friends who are Polish here in, 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 in Arizona. You know, he's a successful yeah. doctor. This is part two, so I, I'm sure that he's not going to listen to what I'm about to say. But right. they are... The extreme liberal, the extreme liberal who are totally, you know, put three masks on, you know, follow what the government's telling you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, 
you just came from a country and live through communism. And you don't smell that this is happening here. And I grew up with that myself because my parents escaped communism. But, you know, going back to what I was saying before, the graying of society, and I'm not talking about my hair or your hair, nothing is black and white anymore. And, and the mere fact that I'm saying black and white is a trigger to the woke crowd. There are no losers, only winners. Everyone gets a trophy. There's, yeah. you know, no absolute right or wrong. And whatever the children think is all right is just fine, regardless of the consequences. But wait, if they ever question the elite decreed dogma, like evolution, as I always have, then I'm admonished and made to feel foolish. Uh, yeah, you're right. Everything has become kind of amorphous, hasn't it? There's no, there's no clear definitions on anything. You mean the good example of that is the is the nonsense that goes on with gender. Uh, again, it's just this is cultural Marxism at its finest, isn't it? This all this nonsense about the being. I can't remember what the latest number is, but last time I heard it was something like 52 different genders that are possible to have. And you just think, no, I'm sorry, there are only two genders, male and female. <laughs> you might like to think you are not either male or female and some other fantastic gender, but I'm sorry, you just aren't. You know, you are you are either a male or a female. Okay, there's a very, very tiny, tiny percentage of people who are actually hermaphrodite. But these are, you know, I'm talking like, you know, tiny, inconsequential numbers, not not the kind of numbers that they would like us to believe are neither male nor female, which is just nonsense. Oh, no, 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 they're, they're going to shut me down because you said inconsequential. Sorry. Then, <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. <laughs> Good. Because <laughs> somebody's going to say, yeah. he just said that they're inconsequential. But, you know, so what is the goal then, John, of creating children who are unable to think logically, independently, scientifically, and, you know, critically, accurately, who will then grow up to be confused, unthinking adherents of full science then? Yeah, well, you, you've kind of answered your own question in a way, Mel. I mean, the, the, the reason is to make it impossible to question the agenda. You know, a dumbed-down, non-critical thinking population is exactly what they want. They want people, and, and again, I'm paraphrasing a, a very a very great comedian who's sadly died now called George Carlin, who oh, said yeah. they, want, they want people who are just bright enough to operate the machines and do all the paperwork, but just dumb enough to accept all the crap that gets thrown at them, you know, 24, seven, seven days a week. Um, you know, uh, and that's exactly what they want. They want a dumbed down populace that, that they can mold and manipulate into being their unquestioning slaves. And that's exactly where we're heading. Well, as George, George Carlin said in the future, all you need, all you will need in order to get to the university will be a pencil. That's all. <laughs> That's right. And, and there's the, the assumption of if you don't believe in evolution, then you must be a fundamental Christian. Why do we, you know, not we, they, the elite, have to label people based on what they think? What, what, is, you know, what if you're spiritual, pagan, or agnostic, and you don't fit in any mold? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it suits their purposes, and it's called the Hegelian dialectic, isn't it? They set up two opposing views and and have us debate the you know the nonsense surrounding both those views. Uh, you know, which they, again it distracts us from reality. It, it 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 takes us away from looking at the real issues. If we can all uh, you know concentrate on arguing about again i'll use that word again inconsequential if we can if we can uh you know spend our lives and our sure. times and our spare time what little spare time we have of you know nowadays with everyone working longer and longer hours and and all the rest of it and um you know if we can spend those the few short hours that we have debating inconsequentialities such as they have already set up for us then that's great because we don't get near the truth, do we? And, and you know, you see all these TV debates, not that I watch TV at all, but if when I used to watch TV, there used to be, uh, I guess there still is, th these, these debates on TV, and I used to sit there and watch these people arguing two opposite sides of a premise, and I used to think, well, what's the point of that? Because I don't even agree with the premise 
you know, I don't even agree with the whole concept at all. But here are these two people arguing about trivialities surrounding a particular premise. And and that's what they love to do. They love to set up these, you know, this, this Hegelian direct, dialectic, which is thesis, antithesis. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, I can't remember that bit. It's gone from my head. But um, yeah, they, they set up these 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 fake uh, debates, if you like, so that we all waste our time uh, going around in circles debating something which isn't even of any consequence whatsoever. Um, and again, it's just part of the same the same thing that we've been talking about for the last hour and a half. And by the way, I, I, know, I know what you meant. You meant you mean thesis and thesis and synthesis. That's it. That's, it, was the, it was the synthesis bit. I couldn't remember it. Yeah, I know. It always confuses me too. But John, you know, when I arrived at the section of your book titled Dinosaurs, I was wondering where you were going to take us next. And before I proceeded to read that part, I went back in time and all my visits to multiple museums you know, around the world. And I always asked the same thing. Are these bones are real? Are they really bones? And the answer was always no. And then the yeah. tourists around me would do, all of a sudden think like, what? They're not bones? Yeah. Nobody's asking the question. It's plaster of Paris or something else. Why are you not displaying the real skeletons? And it's always the excuse of, oh, it's too fragile, too valuable, and they're stored yeah. securely somewhere else. Not once. Have I seen real bones? So this begs no, the no. question, did dinosaurs even exist at all? And if the answer is no, why lie about it? Are they trying to hide one portion of our history with some fiction? And why not discuss, like I said, giants? We have a lot of information about every type of dinosaur, but nothing about the humanoid species that are not only us, but something else. The Homo florensis, the giants, and the rest of them. Yeah. And there's plenty of evidence about that, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't actually cover that that link in the book, which is perhaps an oversight on my my part, and which for which I apologise, because I do actually think that you're right there. There is a connection between uh, dinosaurs and the you know the existence of of giants in our cultures years and years ago. Which, as you say, there's a there's a, there's a great deal of evidence now to to uh, to back up that those those theories about about the giants and. And yeah, some people have, have speculated that what we believe to be dinosaur bones, if they even exist, these dinosaur bones in the first place, are actually the bones of human giants. I mean, obviously not all ported dinosaur bones are the um, uh, the bones of humanoid giants because they're, they're, they're the wrong shape. But but certainly some people believe that, that some of them are, and actually. Dinosaurs, dinosaur, the dinosaur bones. We're, we're told that they're locked up in secure vaults in the basement of the, uh, the Natural History Museum in London, Smithsonian, you know, places like that. But only certain very, very special paleontologists are allowed to, to examine them and to touch them and to uh, you know analyze them. Which, of course, is very convenient when you're trying to cover something up, isn't it? You know, it's the easiest thing in the world to make up a, a neat little story like that to co to cover your tracks. Uh, but you're absolutely right. There are no dinosaur, no real dinosaur bones, self-admittedly by the institutes themselves. The institutions themselves are on display anywhere at any museum anywhere in the world. And there is, in fact, and again, I cover this in the book, which you may have read. Uh, there's a um, there's a factory in China that specializes in the manufacture of fake dinosaur bones, yeah. and they use real animal bones, grind them up, and mold them. Uh, I think they use clay as well, and all sorts of other bits and pieces. And just about every museum that displays dinosaur bones buys their dinosaur skeletons from this factory in China. And you know, this is not something that's you know, it's not a secret. You know, they're quite open about it. It's, you know, they've got a website and they advertise themselves. So, you know, what's going on there? Well, I mean, my own view of, of the dinosaur situation is that, the you know, it's just another prop for evolution. You know, dino but it's very convenient, isn't it, that, that all the dinosaurs suddenly died out or in one incident, allegedly 65 million years ago, when a meteorite hit the Earth. Um, But it's funny that dinosaurs were all wiped out, but not other lizards. 
And also, you know, what other animal species were wiped out, if any? We never, we're never told that. We're just told that these incredible giant uh, reptiles from which, by the way, birds are allegedly descended um, or evolved from. Uh, but we're not really given any other explanation than that. But it's, I just feel it's a proper evolution. And it's a kind of a distraction as well. I mean, look at look at the way that, that I mean, there's a whole dinosaur industry, isn't, isn't it? When you think, isn't there? When you think about oh, it, yeah. and is this just another case of um, a money making uh, scam? You know, I mean, look at look at when I was a kid, we didn't have toy dinosaurs. <laughs> you know, I, it, that that is kind of a modern phenomenon. Uh, you know, there's a whole industry of making dinosaurs toys for kids there are, there are thousands of companies that make them you know not just toys but games and, and and video games computer games you name it dinosaurs are very 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 big business just like a lot of other things and i think that you know this myth has been perpetuated through that but isn't it interesting that this these animals solid animals lived on earth for millions of years ago right But it wasn't until 1842 that the trailblazing British scientist Richard Owen announced mm. the discovery of the dinosaurs to great acclaim. Yeah. So, yeah. what? See that 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 could be another interview in the future because I think I think you you're not discussing this in the book, but I have a feeling that you have you are. Have you heard the term Tartaria lately? I have. I came across it in another interview. Uh, I was interviewed by you know, one of my friends, Mark Devlin, in the UK. Oh, I, uh, I love Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Mark and I are good friends. You know, we've known each other for years, and uh, he, he did a couple of interviews with me about this this same book that you're interviewing me about, Mel. And uh, Tartaria came up in that. However, I had to uh, confess that I had never heard of this before. So, and I've still not actually looked it up, but. I, it is my intention to do so at some point. Uh, well, it's, it, it's going to grab you. It's going to grab you by like other topics. But you know, Mark yeah. and I did his, we did a show years ago about the the musical okay. industry. And, and by the way, he was yeah. in the. I met him in person at that conference I was referring to. So he he knows what I'm re <laughs> dis oh, okay. discussing. But anyway, about what I was saying, 1850s around that time and the late 1800s with all the. I don't mean to deviate from from the topic, but I just got to bring this up. I looked at all the world expos, the world fairs, Chicago, and all over the world, and they had these magnificent buildings all electrified. And if you look at the Chicago World Fair from the I forgot exactly the, the year, and they allegedly built yes, and allegedly yeah. they built those buildings and they demolished them a couple of years later. And the same thing happened in, in London with a glass yeah. uh, b b structure there. Something happened yeah. that they don't want people to know that it's like China. You're saying that China manufactures these bones, right? When you look at the pyramids in China, they pay farmers to disguise the pyramid as farms. Because they don't want right. people to to think that other species of humans were in that part of the world before the Chinese. Same with the Egyptians. If you like, if you asked Sahih Hawass, who built the pyramids? Of course, it was the Egyptians. What if it was somebody else? They don't want to admit that. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, again, I mean, it's just another example, isn't it, Mel, of of how they cover up reality to to present this this fake reality to us because. That's the agenda that they want to push. They don't want us to. They don't want us to understand what our history is and was. Our real history. I'm talking about that. You know, that's no good to them. They want. They want to present us with, with only with things that fulfil their own agenda. You know, which we've spent the last kind of hour and three quarters discussing. Um, you know, so it's it's all part of the same thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And now we progress to a topic that fascinates me, ancient technology and, and knowledge. Many people that I interview, you know, for example, megalithic structures like the pyramids uh, were probably, they say they were probably built by aliens since even today we don't have the technological prowess to even come close to recreating them. Just like if we stop using our muscles, they become atrophied. Probably yeah. our brains too, if we don't use them, no matter if it's a thousands of years ago or, or you know, or today. 
Why does science tell us that our brains progress in a linear fashion, just like evolution? Therefore, they say the brains of people of ancient civilizations were somehow, somehow inferior to us. Absolutely. Again, well, you know, it all comes back to the, you know, we, we, we're kind of going around in circles in a sense. I mean, that's not a criticism, but it's just an observation that we're, we're, it comes back to the same thing every time. They're creating this false version of reality to keep us dumbed down, to keep us in our, you know, to keep us in our place and to keep us from understanding what our real origins are and, you know, what our real history is. So, that's why they have to make up these stories about who built the pyramids. I mean, I don't profess to know. I mean, nobody does. So there's no point in me, you know, trying to make things up because that just puts me in the same bracket as those people because, you know, that's all they do. They have to produce a, a either a real but more often a fake explanation for everything scientific that goes on. And it's all to do with perpetuating that same old agenda again, perpetuating that same narrative that, that keeps us controlled, that keeps us in fear or whatever. You know, it can be a combination of all those different things. And that and that's exactly what they do all the time with everything. So telling us that, you know, you mentioned earlier on that aliens, for example, built the pyramids because, you know, because it couldn't possibly have been mere humans that did it. Um, you know, it's all... It's all trying to confuse us, trying to obscure facts, trying to obfuscate the issue. Um, yeah, uh, again, you know, I, f- I feel like a broken record saying this over and over and over again. But it's the same thing, isn't it? It always comes back to the same thing. They're creating a false paradigm in which they want us to live, to protect themselves and to suppress us. And in- including a false history. Because if I I look at time during the time of the dinosaurs or any other chapter of our history that we don't know too much about, they seem to be gaps of thousands of years. And I think that I've come to the conclusion that our past is our future. And all the stuff that's behind, they probably conquered disease, they conquered energy and the rest of it. And all these archons that came along, these parasites. But when you look at the high-tech stonework, ancient astronomy, the Antikythera mechanism, the 300 million year old screw, the Baghdad battery that is supposedly fueled with grape juice, these are all concepts and objects found out of time and space. What is the scientific explanation other than ascribing some ridiculous meaning with exotic and complicated quantum terminology to confuse the population? Exactly. And another interesting, uh, you know, on, on a similar theme, um, I think I wrote about it in the evolutionary chapter, actually, that, you know, they're lying to us about how old humans are as well, because they need to fit that into the the um, uh, the theory of evolution as well. And, and, if, and if human bones are found in rock, which is 300 million years old, that doesn't fit their narrative at all. But that is actually the case that have been many, many examples of human bones found in, for example, coal strata, which are 300 million years old. And, you know, how is that even possible? How is that even possible? But they don't tell us that. But, you know, I I did some research when I was writing falsification of history almost 10 years ago, well, about 10 years ago. And uh, I came across a very, very interesting book that was written in the 19th century. And I used a lot of the stuff in that to write the falsification of history because what has tended to happen as time has passed and time moves on, the agenda gets more and more and more narrow and more difficult to break out of. But in the 19th century, people were writing freely about things which would just be regarded as taboo now. So I read in this book about human bones being found in in rock strata that have been dated to many, many millions of years ago. But they don't want us to believe that humans existed 300 million years ago because that totally goes against the evolutionary narrative, doesn't right. it? Exactly. That really puts a spanner in that works, doesn't it? If if human bones from 300 million years ago are being found, you know, it's, uh, you know, we can't have that. So, again, it's all cover-ups and obfuscations to, to protect that agenda, to protect that narrative that they uh, force upon. 
So well, one must question, why is it that they want to hide that part and they want to talk about the Big Bang to put a date of 14 billion years and they want to uh, create the evolution theory? For what reason? Is it that they don't want us to find out who we really are? Because as I always say, the biggest conspiracy of all is the secret to our own potential. Even some people have, uh, scientists have done studies of our pineal gland or the, yeah. the, what we call the third eye, and they found that there are optical nerves inside of that gland. What does that tell yeah. you? That there are parts of our body that we don't even know. We don't even know how to function. Yeah, exactly. You're right. I mean, it, it is absolutely for that reason. It's to it's to uh, to prevent us from gaining knowledge of who and what we really are and what powerful beings, what powerful spiritual beings we actually are. Because if we became aware of that en masse, and I don't just mean individuals, because obviously individuals like you and I are aware of that, Mel, but, you know, if the whole world somehow became aware of how powerful we were as individuals, their power would end. So they can't, they can't allow that. And this is partly or wholly why they have to perpetuate this, this false paradigm of reality, not just in history, not just in science, but in just about any topic you can name. I just happen to have written about history and science aspects of it. But, you know, there are, there are lots of other ways as well that they deceive us. But, yeah, it's because of that. It's to stop us from, from finding the real reason for our existence and who we actually are as a species. And again, that harps back a little bit to what I was saying earlier about um, us being, um, you know, very powerful spir spiritual beings that, that uh, you know, really our powers are limitless if we knew what they were and how to use them. But we're being constantly prevented from, from being able to do that. And again, it's, as I said, it's just a control mechanism. Is Freemasonry the true gatekeeper of our real history? History, And do you think the burning of the Library of Alexandria was a real event or was the knowledge really sequestered and kept? Because I have a hard time believing that those who allegedly ordered the burning of the library didn't keep that for their own benefit. Um, I, it's a good question, and, and I'd not really considered that aspect of it. But if I was pushed on it, I would say I believe they did destroy it because they wouldn't have wanted it ever to be found or uncovered. And I also believe that it was Christianity that destroyed the library Alexander and Alexandra and all that ancient knowledge. Because at that point in time, Christianity had just been established with the, um, the, the conference at Nicaea, right. Um, right. Where, where all the, the, the kind of what were to become the rules, if you like, and the, the laws of Christianity, the, the tenets of Christianity is probably better, a better word, had just been kind of formulated in the fourth century AD. And the, it's believed that the Library of Alexandria was, was destroyed somewhere around about that time. Nobody knows the exact date, but it was around about that time. So I kind of connected the two things, maybe rightly, maybe wrongly. I don't know. It's only my thesis, my theory. But I believe it was Christianity that destroyed them because there was a lot of knowledge in the in the, that library. In fact, it wasn't just one library, was it? There was it had a sister library as well, which was also destroyed. And I think there was a lot of ancient knowledge there that just did not fit with Christianity. And there are so many examples of of Christianity destroying knowledge, not just the Library of Alexandria, uh, but there are, there are other examples, too, of it, which, which kind of escape my mind at the minute. So it's not like it was precedent for Christianity. So I, I, I strongly suspect that they did it to protect their own uh, thesis, if you like, their own, their own views, their own, their own creed, because um, uh, they didn't want people to... Re and again, it comes back to that uh, situation of, You know, who are we really and what are we really as a species? Christianity didn't want us to know that because it wanted to kind of, again, control us, put us in this little fake box of reality that they decided was going to be the case and to allow us to find that ancient knowledge, uh, to, to disseminate that ancient knowledge, would basically be to sign their own death warrant, in effect, as, a, as an upcoming religion. So I, that's what I believe. 
But again, you know, I'd be prepared to um, be open-minded about that. You know, if somebody could present me with evidence that said, yeah, it's definitely been stashed away somewhere. Nobody knows where, but it was definitely stashed away. And I quite happily believe that. Uh, but, you know, what I've just said, I, 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 I tend to think that that is probably more likely. But who knows, really? I, I couldn't say for sure, Mel. I think the same group <laughs> responsible for falsifying our history is the same group falsifying science so we don't question our past. But I've been saying for, for years now that a book burning was coming. But not in the way we think, but perhaps the yeah. discontinuation of, of printed books because of they're going to say, oh, we cannot continue printing books because trees and climate change. And instead, <laughs> we will be given digital books, which can be edited at any time. And in 100 years, John, or less, today's books will include a fraction. So if we think there's censorship today... People's reality in the future, they won't even know the difference since the books will be so curated by the same group responsible for falsifying our science and history that they won't even question because there's not going to be anything. We can go to, to an underground library, you and I, or go to, I don't know, an antique shop and find a book here and there. All that will be gone in the future. Yeah, well, what you've just described, Mel, is like a, a scene from out of uh, the Orwell novel, 1984, isn't yeah. it? I mean, the, the character in that, Winston, he, he worked in what's called the Ministry of Information, and it was his job to change history and cover it up and to change all the newspaper articles in the archives and all the physical records of anything that they decided was no longer uh, politically correct. Uh, so if, if one person had become kind of... Uh, you know, being discredited in any way, then the, 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 it was Winston's job, along with hundreds of others, to expunge all the records on this person or to change all the records on this person to, to uh, illustrate what pe they wanted us to believe about that person. And, that, and that's more or less what you've just described. With digital books, it's much easier to do that because they can, you know, they can change it at will. And especially if those digital books are, say, on the cloud or in the internet rather than actually physically on your own Kindle. But I guess even if they're on your own Kindle reader or whatever other digital reader you have, it's possible that if you're connected to the internet, they could still download a different version to, of it without you knowing. And, of course, this is kind of connected to the Mandela effect as well, isn't it, whereby uh, some people believe, and I'm not sure about this, but some people believe that, they are slowly changing reality as we speak using this this kind of methodology. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you presumably you're aware of the Mandela effect, are you? No, oh, I've discussed the Mandela effect for years now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Right. Um, I think it got its name from that. There was a lot of people in Africa that that swear that Mandela died. Attended, yeah, they, they attended his funeral as well. You know, which was. Uh, rather bizarre you know years before he he, he was officially died yeah yeah, yeah now neil let me just fast forward now neil degrasse tyson you probably know that name right i do uh, yeah. he's our science gatekeeper here he says the earth is an oblate spheroid where are the <laughs> pictures to show that all i see is a a perfect spheres and circles sometimes with the continents as i said getting bigger or smaller depending on what size of the country you're in yeah Absolutely. Um, those those pictures are all absolute fakes. I asked the question, where were those pictures taken from? Um, you know, because they're obviously too far out to be taken from the space shuttle or even the space station. Uh, you know, even if those two entities ex actually exist, where were they actually taken from? They're just artists' impressions, but they're presented as being actual, real photographs of the oblate spheroid Earth. But I'm sorry, that is just absolute nonsense. And as you say, they tell us in one breath that it's an oblate spheroid, which means it's slightly pear-shaped. Uh, but those pictures you see of the Earth, it's an absolute perfect sphere. And as you can also say, in different versions of those photographs, the continents and the countries are all different sizes. So it's obvious, obvious very poor fakery. So what are they trying to prove? And, and if and if they if the Earth really is a globe, an oblate spheroid, call it what you will, 
then where are the pictures to prove it? Where are the real pictures to prove it? You know, I, I've never seen one. And I doubt anyone else has either. Well, look at the Apollo missions. Now we're told that they lost the all the, the footage, hundreds of films. You know, the Hasselblad yeah. cameras, were they shielded with gold? Because they had to go through the Van Allen belt multiple times, right? Going yeah. in and coming back. Not a single picture lost when they came back. Um, yeah. What about... Uh, uh, they have, you know, the Hasselblad cameras, of course, the telemetry yeah. gone, the yes. technology gone. That's why we haven't been to the moon. And then um, Alan Bean, the Apollo 12 astronaut, he was asked, hey, what about the the Van Allen belt? How did you go through it in this radiation belt that can kill anyone? And the answer was, well, we hadn't discovered it back then, which is a lie, two lies. Number one, we discovered it in the 1950s. And number two, even if we hadn't discovered it, doesn't mean, still, uh, if, if, oh, right, if you step on a landmine, um, you know, is that how you have to discover it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, oh, God, I mean, we could devote a whole program to to the fake moon landings uh, sometime, Mel. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's just vast. I mean, you know, in the few minutes, we, I guess we have remaining. The oh, did I lose you? Are you there? Uh, you, see, you got cut off for about 10 seconds there, John. Yeah, I'm just saying that the Apollo moon landings, we could easily, you know, spend a whole program, a whole show just just covering that alone. I mean, it's just an absolute morass of lies and fakery and trickery and, you know, anything that anything connected with that Apollo space program. And, and, and I believe the space program in general is just basically lies and obfuscation. You know, there's so many things that, that we couldn't cover in the book. I was going to discuss a nuclear weapon hoax. This is something that I've been yeah, discussing yeah. for years now. And I'm glad that you put all the stuff together in, in one book. Uh, you talk about the the Chicago skyline photograph 40 miles away. Well, for years, I've been sending my listeners an image from my beach home in Mexico where I can see some 80 so miles away, Baja, California, from top to bottom, I've asked captains, really? I've asked captains, and I ask them, what is that? Pretending I don't know. And they all say, oh, yeah, that's Baja. But wait a minute. <laughs> You're telling me that I can only see 10 miles to the horizon, but I can see it from top to bottom. Look at my binoculars. We can see light. We can see yeah. everything. Yes. Oh, it's a, it's a mirage. It's yeah. a mirage. They just want to f make you feel foolish by even asking the question. Yes. Uh, they've actually got a name for it, isn't it? It's not just a mirage; it's a something or other mirage, and the, and the word actually escapes me now. Which kind of is is a, is their pseudo scientific way yeah. of explaining away this anomaly, as far as they're concerned. But you and see, it's a uh, kind of a it's a kind of a mirage which appears to be there, but it isn't really, and it's caused by light refraction. One last thing that I want to ask you, because, you know, there's so much to, to discuss, and maybe we'll, we'll have to do yeah. another show in the future to discuss history and more of science. Yeah. But the one thing, the one thing that always puzzles me is the Antarctic Treaty. Because if right. we went to the moon, that's another part. You know, when we, when the Wright brothers showed us how to fly, we immediately commercialized, we went to war using planes. So everything's commercialized. When there's a big discovery, when we went to the moon, you would expect that by now we would have at least low orbit hotels. We would have a camera on the moon with a 24-7 channel looking at Earth. And believe me, a lot of yes. companies would just sponsor that. But no, no yes. back to the moon. But the Antarctic Treaty, so many, so many signatories to that. We cannot yes. go and explore and exploit. Not that I want to exploit, but the fact that it hasn't happened, commercialization of that area, what do you think is behind that? Well, obviously, it's, I guess where, where you're leading or where this is leading is, is, is flat Earth, because on the flat Earth, Antarctica doesn't exist as such, so they have to put this treaty in place to protect that knowledge. Uh, you're not allowed to fly over Antarctica. You're not even allowed to sail there without express permission. I mean, I know there are actually cruise ships that go there but they only uh they only go to one specific place and they and it's, it's they're only allowed a very brief visit and they don't go inland it's only they just land on the shore there step you know step foot on on the alleged continent of antarctica very briefly they can buy a few souvenirs at a shop and then they're back on the ship again 
So yes, you can go to Antarctica, but you cannot, you could not, for example, uh, go inland uh, once you land there. It's just not allowed because, as you say, this Antarctic Treaty prevents that. Because of course, you know, just just for any listeners who don't understand how the flat Earth model allegedly works, is that Antarctica is merely um, a two hundred foot high ice shelf which encircles the whole of the flat earth disk and which keeps the oceans in place. Um, so it does, you know, as a continent, it, it's non-existent other than like the rim of a bowl in effect. It's what we call South. It's all of that yeah. circle that we call South. The question is, yeah. what is beyond Antarctica? What is beyond that wall of ice? Could there be, well, could there be other puddles with other places that look like earth with advanced civilizations? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question, actually. I have a friend who um, has a friend who is into astral traveling, you know, to uh, projection, astral projection. Mm -hmm. And he asked, specifically asked this guy who, who has the ability to do this, if he could go up there as far as he could and check whether the Earth was flat or an oblate sp spheroid and what there was actually up there. Now, this guy had no pre preconceived ideas as to what he was going to find, but I'll tell you exactly what he told me now. He said to my friend, "There is, it's amazing up there. He said, this is not, it's not just a disc with a dome. He said, but when you get up there beyond that, he said, As far as the eye can see, it's just disc after disc after disc after disc with dome after dome after dome after dome. He said it's like, and I don't know whether you, you over, over in your part of the world, you you know what bubble wrap is. Um, yes. We call it bubble wrap. It's that oh, kind wow. of plastic. Yeah. He said it's just like bubble wrap as far as the eye can see for millions and millions and millions of miles. All discs and domes, discs and domes. And that's, you know, I had no reason to disbelieve the guy. I mean, he may be, um, I'm sure he wasn't lying. He may be disillusioned. He may be kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He may be mistaken, <clears throat> but he certainly wasn't lying. As an astral traveler, that's what he saw. He saw, you know, just a, a complete bubble wrap universe. Imagine if that, uh, yeah. see, I can yeah. picture what you're saying, the bubble wrap part. Imagine if yeah. what we see in the sky, those lights at night, if those are reflections yeah. from all the suns, from all those puddles, all those bubble rabbit circles. That's yeah. just something to ponder. Yeah. And the same thing with uh, the commercial. I forgot the, the, the Hennessy commercial with Picard, Dr. Picard that went all the way to the firmament. And then all of a sudden you see waters up there. And sometimes you see, uh, what's the name? SpaceX. Yeah. SpaceX rockets that go up and you see almost like if they're entering a different puncturing the the dome and it's almost like they're going through water you see this bubble around them like smoke around them it's almost like they left our atmosphere into something else but you know there's so many other questions that i had for you and that hopefully is a a tacit invitation for the future to continue this great conversation that we had john but once again how can people buy The Falsification of Science, of History, the other book. And I know you wrote other books, right? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, I've, I've written seven books, actually. So, yeah, The Falsification of History, The Falsification of Science are the two ones that we've been mostly discussing tonight. Um, but, um, yeah, um, to, to buy them, you go to Amazon.com and you key my uh, my name, John Hamer, in, in the search uh, search bar. And you'll find my author page, and you can just order them direct from there. And they are printed in the States as well, obviously. You know, you're not buying them from the UK, even though I'm based here. Um, you know, you, they will, it's called print on demand, and they will be printed in the States and shipped very, very quickly if people want to order them. John Hamer, thank you so much for being part of Veritask. Keep sharing your truth, and uh, all the best with your books, and I look forward to doing this again. Thank you, Mel. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for All now. Best you. you too. Bye. Bye, bye. John Hamer with the falsification of science. All of it. Thanks to you, Veritas member. Thank you for paving our truth journey another week.
And tonight, I'll leave you with a quote by someone who was an inspiration for me when I started this program. And I refer to William Bill Cooper, author of Behold a Pale Horse. He says, I do not advise you that you should believe or not believe, but I do advise you that we'll need to learn as much as we can about everything we can. Because one thing I have learned in my life is that most of what we have ever been taught has been a lie. Thanks for listening. I'm Mel Hostelrick. Until next week, be well.